Hello everyone, welcome to and welcome back to the Critique and Chill Podcast. As always, it's the boy Cadence. And in this episode, I'm going to be going over Identity Crisis, a seven-issue limited series that was published by DC. It centers around the Justice League, or much so the relationship that each member has with its loved ones, and even has a few times where it remarks on, the outs- on those outside of the League and even some villains. What kicks off the story is the murder of Sue Dibney, wife of Ralph Dibney elongated man. While outside of comics these two are nobodies, within the Justice League comics and within DC itself they are two of the most integral members of the team, almost as much as Batman and Superman. There is even a point in the book where Green Arrow says that Sue was made an honorary member and remarks that this is a status that not even Lois Lane has reached, and it's the fact that two of the most integral members of the team have been targeted that causes everyone involved on both the heroes and villains side to be on their toes. This story was published in 2004, which means it has no bearing on the New 52 or the Rebirth imprints, and most of what has happened has been retconned. But it's still definitely one of the best because of how well told the story is. And as an advocate of no story being good until it ends, this one stands out because it is a good series to read even if you don't like the characters or if you know nothing about them. And while prior knowledge will allow you to better understand what's going on, you don't need it in order to enjoy it because it is entertaining through and through. Be you an avid reader of comics or the exact opposite. And even it's even good if you know the end of the story because the ride is just so enjoyable, which is why I've reread it a bunch of times. What makes this series so interesting is how involved and wrapped into itself that it is. There's so many tiny details about the world of the Justice League that is revealed here that I'm not sure is talked about in other places. After Sue is murdered, we find out that all of the family members of the League can have their houses outfitted with a sort of security care package containing Kryptonian, Martian, Apocalyptian, Apocalyptian, and Thanagarian technology if they choose. There was even a statement made that the walls of the houses are lined with something that detects anybody who can face through walls. The reason that this sticks out is because it really opens your eyes to how deep the rabbit hole can go when you are talking about the structure of the Justice League. Nowhere is this shown better than in the first issue when Green Arrow remarks that how after Superman was killed, they started getting organized. They started putting together contingency plans and the contact and notification charts. And right after that, we see Green Arrow walk us through a CSI unit made of superhumans going through the crime scene. We see Mr. Miracle trying to figure out exactly how the killer got in. We have the Atom searching through each individual carpet fiber, the Ray doing spectrum analysis, and the Metal Man doing metallurgy. They even bring in an Animal Man to see if he can get a scent. And it's also immersive and cool to see that there's an aspect of the Justice League that isn't just putting on, putting hands on the bad guys. We see this more after Sue's funeral when all of the heroes divide into teams to go chase down the potential suspects. We see the Justice League reserves, which is just what it sounds like, the, out, the Outsiders, the team that came together after Titans Young Justice graduation day, the veteran heroes of the JSA, and we even see the main Justice League split into two teams, one comprised of A-listers and B-listers. The series is just filled with tiny nuances and minutiae, like how Green Arrow talks about what the Teen Titans, the JSA, and the Justice League can teach you differently, or how there is a time when Martian Manhunter tells the rest of the League that the Titans would like to do a training session, and it all just works to make the world seem like a real one, where people have feelings and emotions, and despite their superpowers, it doesn't make their lives any more, any more or less complicated than ours. As for the story itself, it's actually pretty solid and has a lot of cool moments like when Deathstroke beats like seven League members at a time, or when we're up at like the criminal's version of the Watchtower and they have a jammer over the receiver that Batman uses to listen to their conversations. 
there's also very important moments in this book, like that, like moments that travel all the way to Infinite Crisis and Blackest Night, like the deaths of Sue Dibney and Ronnie Raymond. What makes the series stand out is that it is very much not about the fighting or the action or the powers, and is very much so about how the Justice League gets along. And at one point, we find out that years ago, the lower half of the league gave Dr. Light a magical lobotomy because he attacked and assaulted Sue Dibney a couple years ago, and they didn't want him to try attacking her again or anybody else's loved ones. And in the process, they even wiped Batman's memories of the events in order to keep the league together because they feared that he would tell someone, and if anyone found out, they thought that it would shake the league to the point of disbanding and it's that kind of structure that makes the justice league seem less like a team of gods and specialists and more like a superpowered fraternity but the reason it's so important is because none of this is about fighting it's essentially a relationship drama what makes identity crisis stand out as a story to me is the fact that it's a story about superheroes that isn't all action and could be told in a suspenseful a suspenseful and dramatic way the book even has two really cool storytelling nuances, one of which can really only be caught by a watchful eye. There is a panel where a couple shares a hug and embrace, and it's drawn in the exact way that Ralph and Sue were when he described his relationship with her, and it's a nice bit of foreshadowing because one of the people in the couple is the killer. The one nuance that stood out to me and is the reason why I'll keep going back to the series is when it goes into solving a crime. And it has Batman say that the first thing you need to do is to find out who benefits. The question then becomes, who benefits from the family member of a hero being killed? With the answer being the family members of all the other heroes. The rationale being that it causes everyone to focus on their families now that they have a reminder of what could happen to them. And while it's definitely a stretch, it's the kind of stretch that is just cool to think about and see what trail of thinking led to that conclusion. To end up this episode, I will leave you with a quote from Ralph Dibney, The Elongated Man. That's why ice cream stores don't just sell chocolate and vanilla. Every once in a while, someone walks in and orders butter pecan. Well, everybody, that's the end of my Identity Crisis review. It's a really good story, and I think you should check it out, but it's really not one that's super-duper important given its age, but I still like it. As always, I appreciate any and all listens from anybody who chooses to do so. Don't forget to go and follow me on Twitter, at Critique Chill. That's where we'll be posting any and everything about this channel, and hopefully when I get a big enough following, start doing polls or something to interact with my fans, if I get any. Also, don't, be, don't forget to go check out this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast, and be sure to, you know, leave a couple reviews, hopefully get them ratings up, get me to appear a little bit more. But either way, whatever you do, it's all much appreciated, and this is Cadence, out. Oh.